Oh, so good to be with you. I really love it here. <laughs> oh, I so enjoyed last night. And then this morning praying in the room here, I'm like, I just want to do this all day. <laughs> but we're going to have some fun. We are going to have some fun. I am stoked to be here and uh, excited to share with you this morning. And uh, yeah, just so appreciative for the, the opportunity to be able to come and and talk with you today and uh, so blessed to be in this house. This is a good, this is a really, really cool place to be. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Josh Wood, get along to that. That's going to be wild. Josh is a good friend of mine and uh, we had him visit our church um, and do a healing workshop like that um, a few months ago. And we saw so many miracles just in the just in the workshop itself. Um, in fact, one of the guys who got radically healed, he had like a titanium thing in his leg, and his leg grew like this much, like in front of everyone, and um, his leg was was totally totally healed, like growing like five centimeters with a titanium rod in it. And then last night, he brought his girlfriend along. She had a detached retina, and her retina got reattached i don't even know what that stuff is but like jesus is king and he can reattach retinas he can grow people's legs out when they got titanium in there jesus is the healer and josh just uh, he teaches on healing so uh practically one of the things he says is this says it i believe it that settles it and uh is just really uh um, teaches really plain and simple uh, if you know dan moeller uh, Josh, uh, his spiritual father is Dan Moller, um, and he's done a lot with Todd White as well. And um, we're just so blessed to have him back in Australia. And you guys are going to be like super blessed. So I really, really wanted to encourage you, like invite friends along that that Saturday. Like come along to the healing uh, seminar on on the Saturday, but bring your friends. Bring people who need miracles on the Sunday because it's going to blow up. There's going to be signs, wonders, and miracles in the house. I'm like, I'm excited for you. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Uh, but um, wow, wow, wow. Little bit about myself. Uh, my name's Pat. Obviously, I've got an amazing wife, Tamara. Uh, she sends her apologies. Uh, we were trying to make it work so that she could be here, but. Um, didn't work out, but she says hello, and I've also got an amazing son, Noah, he's 16 years old, and a beautiful daughter named Pepper, who is 13 years old. That's my family, and I love them, I love them, I love them so much. And uh, I'm a missionary uh, with Youth for Christ, a missionary evangelist slash worshipper, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, my, my job, I guess, is to, um, one, People would say that my job as a missionary evangelist is to go around and, and preach the gospel and, and, and save the lost, but that's actually not the definition of an evangelist. <laughs> the evangelist, in Ephesians 4, it says that the evangelist is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I, I've been traveling around, like I, I travel all around Australia uh, doing what I do, uh, and I've been to every state except for Northern Territory this year. I have been to Northern Territory uh, before. I was telling Pastor Claude this morning a story from 
the Northern Territory up in Arnhem Land, but I've been all around Australia and I can testify that the harvest is ripe. In every city and town that I've been in, I see people give their lives to Jesus. I see people healed, I see people set free from addiction. The harvest is ripe. People say, this area is hard. Almost everywhere I go to, people say, this area is really hard, you know, like this stuff might work for you back in Shell Harbour, but, you know, this area is really, really hard. And, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus didn't say that. <laughs> Jesus said that the harvest is ripe. Jesus said, don't say it's four months till harvest. Behold, the fields are white, white. And if you know anything about agriculture, you know that if the, if the fields are white, then the next thing that's going to happen is the fields are going to turn black, and, and that's not good. That's, that's not good for anyone. He said, the fields are white for the harvest. White for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that's the other thing that I notice as I go around, is that the workers are few. <laughs> And so what did Jesus say? He said we need to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will, he will send out laborers into the harvest. And that's, you know, I believe that partially I'm the answer to people praying that prayer. <laughs> you know, the harvest is ripe and, and Australia needs Jesus. Australia needs Jesus. You might have seen in the news a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a young girl, 12 years old, took her own life. And I'm just like, this is in Australia, out, out, in, out in Wagga, and there's, there's been... Um, it just grieves me. I'm like, what, what kind of country do we live in where a 12-year-old girl would take her own life? What kind of world do we live in where... A, I just don't even understand. Like, I've got this 13-year-old daughter and, and it just, it, it rocked me to my core, you know. I'm like, God, God. And so, with Youth for Christ, this is one of the big things that we're sort of looking at is like the, the suicide epidemic in, in our nation, which no one's talking about. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm the first person who stood up here and talked about it. Um, and I didn't plan to talk this much about it, but we kind of need to talk about it because there's a serial killer going around our nation. Like, if there was a serial killer in your, in your neighbourhood, you'd want the police to say, hey, you know, lock your windows, batten your doors, you know. Um, if, if we knew the way that the enemy was going to come in, that, that this, you know, you'd want them to warn you, right? And it's like, I've been to way too many funerals of young people where parents are blaming each other, friends are blaming each other, everybody's pointing the finger at each other and I'm like no, <laughs> it's the devil that comes to steal, kill and destroy, it's the devil that comes to steal and destroy and he's getting away with murder in our country and it's not okay, we need to talk about it and we need to do something about it because there's patterns to all this stuff. This is, this is what I do. I go, like, the reason I'm, I'm so moved by Wagga Wagga is because I'm getting calls from pastors saying, can, can you come out here and do something? And I'm like, 
you don't need Pat Steele, you need Jesus, you know, like I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the, by the need uh, in our country right now and I just feel like we need to talk about it and we need to look at the things that are leading up to it, isolation, addiction, especially porn addiction is just, you know, rampant. And it leads to shame, guilt, condemnation and, and, and leads down this, this path of brokenness. Um, and we need to just kind of rip the, <laughs> you know, rip the band-aid off it and, and actually um, get, to the, get to the core of this. But ultimately, you know, we can talk about surface level things, I guess, but ultimately the, the problem is sin separation from god you know it's it's far more deadlier than covid-19 <laughs> and the answer is jesus the answer is jesus and jesus is the hope of the world and so one of the things that we sort of came up with last year during the pandemic, because we, we, we recognised that um, there was so much isolation uh, due to lockdowns and things like that, we're like, how can we reach people online? And we came up with this thing called the Hope Story Challenge. It was like uh, a youth idea it came out of, I, I saw some youth doing TikTok dances. I didn't even know what TikTok was. And they're like, what, what? And, uh, and I'm like, how can we use TikTok to reach people with the gospel? So we came up with this thing called the 60 Second Hope Story Challenge. And thousands of people all around the world shared their hope stories. And uh, it was quite incredible uh, just how it took off. Such a simple idea, peer-to-peer -peer evangelism. You know, you reach your friends and family through social media with your 60 Second Hope Story you know, activating, activating the saints to do the work of the ministry. And then uh, we had a billboard up down in Warrigal, Victoria, and we put the, the Hope logo on there. Um, maybe you can pop one of those. Did we work out the slides? Uh, if we can get one of those up. But basically, like, that's the, the Hope logo. Uh, we had that up on a... Uh, we had that up on the, um, on the billboard... And then we decided to put a, a QR code and a website on there as well. And originally, I designed the website just as a form that people could fill out because we were seeing so many salvations online. And I was trying to handle the follow-up and it was impossible on Messenger and all those different things. So, like, let's create a website and when people make a decision, we'll send them to the website. They can put in their details. We can follow them up. So that was the strategy. But then that website developed into more of an evangelistic tool and we put hope stories on there, the gospel message on there. And uh, we put that on a billboard and that's when we created these hope cards. And originally this was like a way to uh, get people to the website basically. Like you can hand this, this hope card to someone, you can say, hey, can I share some hope with you? They can go to the website, uh, they can see hope stories, they can hear the gospel and they can give their life to Jesus, be followed up and connected in with the local church. But then, as we started handing these out, we realised that it was also a really easy way to start a conversation with someone. And when somebody starts a conversation with somebody, it leads to 
uh, being able to share hope with them. And so inadvertently, I didn't plan any of this. It all just kind of happened. It's our COVID baby. Um, uh, we, we created this, this tool called the Hope Card, I guess, um, and some basic training around evangelism uh, that um, has been really helpful. And the Lord showed me something. It was like, I wanted to illustrate this, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I wanted to kind of illustrate that to you a bit. Uh, and I haven't done this before, so I don't know what it's really going to look like. But can you imagine, like, I don't know, like I could do this, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to. Imagine how long it would take me to, if I was to go around and uh, be like, hey, can I share some hope with you? And then I have like an hour conversation with, with Sarah. And can I share some hope with you, bro? Yeah. Pick your card, any card. <laughs> Jesus loves you. you know? Imagine how long it's going to take for me to go around the whole room and, and do this. Like it's going to take, take a while, it's especially if I go beyond just giving out a hope card and I actually, you know, get to share the gospel with, with this person. You know, it could be a couple of hour conversation. But imagine, imagine if I came in here and said, hey, you can be a hope dealer. <laughs> and so instead of, and so instead of just, just saying, hey, here's a, here's a hope card, I, I come to, to Claude and I say, hey, you're a hope dealer. And hey, you're a hope dealer too. They're explosive, I'm telling you. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just blow up all over the place. And then I say, maybe, maybe uh, you can help me equip the saints to do the work of the ministry there. Brother Andrew, I love you, mate. You're amazing. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to equip you to share hope. Yeah. This guy here, what's your name? You're awesome. Congratulations, you're a hope dealer. I love your shirt, bro. What's your name? Bailey. Good to meet you, mate. Here we go. Let's get right up here. What's your name? Congratulations. You're a hope dealer, Annalise. All right. So what we're going to do now, I'll give these ones to this brother here. What's your name? You're a hope dealer, bro. So now what we're going to do. All right. Now what we're going to do is instead of me going around and trying to reach everybody, you guys who have got them, here you go. Sarah, you can be a hope dealer too. Just spread it. Just spread it around. So if you've, if you've got cards, just spread them around. Begin, give out handfuls. Put your hand up if you haven't received one or a bunch of them. And let's just get hope out to everyone. Put your hand up nice and high if you haven't. We want to make sure that we reach everyone. Get a bunch of them because freely you have now received and freely you will give. And a bit later on we're going to go out and we're going to we're going to spread this hope. We're going to spread this hope all around the area. 
just as you go, you know, we don't need to wait for an outreach. Just in your everyday life, you know, you can have conversations. I was talking to Carla this morning and she was saying how like the hairdresser is her ministry. Just having conversations with people. And it's simple, you know, sometimes we focus so much on this is how you share the gospel. This is uh, how you heal the sick. And these things are awesome. We need to know how to preach the gospel. We need to know how to heal the sick. It's important. But sometimes we just miss the simplicity. And so what I've tried to do is demystify evangelism. Because we are all called to do evangelism. If you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are called to do evangelism. There's no spiritual gift of evangelism. It's not in the Bible. So it's not like some have it, some don't. That's not biblical at all. We are all called to do the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Jesus said that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we're like, woohoo! And I said last night, like, I like to shake and bake as much as any Pentecostal charismatic Christian. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So hang on, if we're saved, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then there's a purpose to that. And that purpose is to propel us into the harvest, to proclaim the gospel so that people can hear the good news, so that they can believe the good news, so that they can call on the name of Jesus for salvation. Because that's what it says in Romans 10. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're like, woohoo! Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But whoa, let's read on a little bit. Sometimes we just like read the one verse and we're like, yes! But it's like, we've got to read on. It says, how will they call? How will they call unless they believe? And how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will some someone preach unless they've been sent well, we've all been sent we are the sent ones we are literally the sent ones we are christians we are little christs we are the messengers and we are all called to do this and so you know i could stand up here and 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 talk about how we're called all day but i think my time's probably much better spent kind of demystifying evangelism because i believe you guys all know that you called to this but probably the question that you have is how <laughs> and so I've tried to come up with something really simple because I'm working with youth uh, but I believe what we've put together works for everyone the hope card is a really great conversation starter but I'm just going to run through really quickly uh, an overview of the training that we put together to go out with the hope cards and uh, if we can go to um, the how to share hope one I'll just run through it. It's like an acronym. It looks like that, if you've got that one there. Yeah, that's the one. So, H, really simple, hello. <laughs> Start with hello. Start a conversation with someone. And, and maybe, like, if you've got hope cards, then it is a really fun way to start conversations with people. I'll just walk up to people and say, hey, can I share some hope with you today? And they're like, oh, yes. I've, I've, this is what I've been searching for. Like, I, I could really use it. Like, uh, you'd be amazed at the conversations that you have. Uh, but it could be as simple as, you know, you're in a, a Carla working in the hairdresser and, and starting a conversation with somebody. And 
I think that this is one of the parts that we often miss as evangelists when we're equipping the saints. We're like, here's a way to share the gospel. Here's a way to share the gospel. But we don't talk about starting a conversation with somebody because you can learn how to share the gospel 50 different ways and how the heal is sick and you can have like the greatest anointings that the world's ever seen but unless you can start a conversation with someone then you're not going to get very far and so start a conversation with someone then be observant and that means listen to what they're saying remember what their name is like it's a really good key I worked at Aldi I did Bible college and then the Lord told me to go work at Aldi and uh it didn't make any sense at all. I remember my pastor at the time who thought, yes, Pat, Pat and Tamara, my wife, did Bible college as well. And they're like, this is awesome. Like, we're going to have some more pastors in the church. And the, the expectancy was that, you know, Pat was going to become Pastor Pat. And, uh, and then God's like, no, I want you to go get a job at Aldi. So I was just obedient to that. I remember it was funny how I even got the job. I walked into the, it was like a group interview. And they're like, I think they asked something like the question of, uh, what are you passionate about? Oh, <laughs> I just talked about Jesus for about 15 minutes. I shared my testimony. I shared the gospel. And, you know, people like other people in the room who were being interviewed as well, they're like crying and stuff's happening. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, oh, God, like, if you wanted me to get a job at Aldi, like, you just kind of blew it with that. But because um, I just felt the Holy Spirit so, like, prompting me to share this. But I'm like, maybe they just needed to hear that. Then I get a call back and I have another interview with the state manager and the, and the area manager. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I'm like, God, if you want me to get this job, just, like, lay off on the on the on the holy spirit fire you know and then because my resume had a few gaps in it had like this two two year gap i guess of bible college and had bible college but uh had a lot about um you know serving on the worship team and we had a worship ministry so i just kind of put these things in because i didn't want to leave this gap and they said oh what is worship they said what is worship and and um oh, to really explain worship, I need to tell you about Jesus. Because, see, Jesus did this, like he rescued me, and I'm going to share my testimony in a minute, so I'm not going to hashtag spoiler alert. But I had to share my testimony to explain to them how good God is and how thankful I am and that worship is me just giving Jesus all that he deserves for saving me. And so I'm like passionate about this and I'm pouring it out and I like walk out of there. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get this job at all, am I? And, uh, and so then I get a third phone call and this time it's just the, just the area manager and, and he basically gives me the job. So I get, I get this job at Aldi. <laughs> like, honestly, it was hilarious. But... Um, I get this job at Aldi, and this is really how the Lord taught me about the O part of this, because I'm sitting at the checkout, I loved working at Aldi, sometimes I'm like, I was there the other day, and I'm like, have you got any chips, like, because it was just so good, <laughs> it's like, it's really, really good, I love it, because you're just sitting there, and people are coming through, and it's your job to say hello to them, and, and, and to, you know, start a conversation with them, basically. So I was like, hey, how are you going today? 
oh, actually, I'm having a really rough day and just got diagnosed with cancer and, oh, that's, that's really hard. Would I be able to pray for you? And, you know, just taking these little opportunities and, and this, this is actually a true example. I prayed for this woman. Three weeks later, she came in completely cleared from cancer. And, and so it's like, listen to what people are saying. Remember their name. I used to really practice remembering people's names as they would come through because you'd serve hundreds of customers a day. And it was like, remember their name. Remember that, you know, just trying different like ways to remember people's names. Because the next time they come through, you say, oh, how are you going, Jill? They're like, oh, where are you? Remember? Like, it means something to them. They feel loved. And then you listen to what they say. They tell you about their, their kids. They tell you about the highs, the lows. And these uh, things that they share with you provide opportunities. And it might be to pray for them or it might be to share your testimony with them or it could be to share the gospel with them. And so you could be sitting in a cafe with a friend and they might say, hey, I'm really struggling with anxiety. And maybe you've got a testimony of how you overcame anxiety and you could say, hey, I have a testimony of, you know, there was a time in my life when I struggled with anxiety, but then I prayed and I received the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, regards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, and now I'm totally free, full of peace and joy. And, you know, you could share that testimony with them. Uh, or you could share the gospel. And so that's what the O stands for. Observe and look for an opportunity to share the gospel or your testimony ask if they have any needs that you can pray for and then the E stands for exchange details especially if somebody's given their life to Jesus we want to make sure that they're followed up we want to make sure that they're discipled and uh, and so we want to follow people up and we also want to encourage people maybe that maybe you've just had a really short conversation with them and they're heading off you can just encourage them to check out the discover hope page later on so that's um that's like the HOPE acronym, I guess we call it. Um, just really basic training. It's like Evangelism 101, I think. But the two main keys for me is the H and the O. Like, if you start doing that, then all the rest will follow. Uh, it's so easy. We, um, we were at a pastor's breakfast the other morning, and there was this guy, um, Mark McCrindle. Has anyone heard of Mark McCrindle? He's like a statistician, and he's just dropping numbers, like, Normally, I'm not like a numbers guy at all. Like I, I was kind of like, oh. Um, but then he's like talking about the harvest and he's talking about how, how many people, they've done this survey of how many people are open to hearing, hearing about Jesus in our nation right now. It's like one in three people are really like open, like ripe. And it's like, why aren't we seeing, you know, why aren't we seeing that translate into church growth? If, if one in three people in our nation are open to the gospel, why isn't that translating into church growth? And the answer is that we're not preaching the gospel or very few of us are preaching the gospel. And so he's like dropping numbers, like these are real numbers from, from surveys. He's dropping these numbers and he's saying the harvest is ripe and he's saying Jesus said that the harvest is ripe. The ground's not hard. Australia is not hard. These survey results tell us that the harvest is ripe right now but we need to preach the gospel. 
And so I'm fired up. And we walk out of this pastor's breakfast. My friend and I, we call her Ninja Dove. She's amazing. She's like a Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ninja. Like, she's like just, you wouldn't even know that she's in the room. And then all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> Holy Spirit Ninja Dove. And, uh, and so we're like, we've got to tell people about Jesus. She only had five minutes. So we're like, five minutes of fire. And we walk out of the, um, we walk out of the, the church that we're in. And there's one guy in the street. So I was like, that's him. Let's get him. <laughs> I walk up to him like, bro, like, uh, can I share some hope with you? I just want to let you know how much Jesus loves you and had a little bit of a conversation. Is there anything that I can pray for you for? And he's like, well, I just got out of jail. Can you pray that I won't get back on the drugs? And I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll pray for that. And then, and then Clara, the little Holy Spirit ninja dove, she's like, hey, this is going to sound really weird, but like, I was praying last night and, and like I'm learning to hear from God and I took some notes on what he said to me. Can I show you? And she opens up her phone in her journal and it says, tomorrow you will meet a man wearing a green jacket and he will have something around his right ankle. And this is the word that I want you to share with him and it was all about freedom. And so this guy's wearing, his name's Jason, he's wearing a green jacket and he's got the prison tracking bracelet around his right ankle because she didn't know what it was. And this word's just for him. And this tough guy just started bawling his eyes out. And then um, and Clara's like, oh, isn't it wonderful that God loves you so much that he would talk to me about you last night and tell me that I was going to meet you today so that I could share this word with you. And he's like, oh. <laughs> And then, so we pray for him, and then Ninja does like, okay, i got to get a workout. And she's, just, she's just so like, she's, she's there, and then she's not there. And, and then I'm left sitting there. I'm still a bit stunned as well. And <laughs> me and this guy, Jason, we're just like, what just happened? And, and I'm like, bro, like, I, I kind of, as, as Clara was sharing with you, I, I kind of felt like, hey, you've just been released from prison, but you actually still feel like you're in a prison. Like you're out, but you're still in. And he's like, that's exactly how I feel. And I'm like, bro, can I tell you about Jesus? And I, and I start to share the gospel with him. I'm like, bro, like we're all, we're all prisoners, all slaves to sin. You know, we... We try to do the right thing, but we can't. You know, we've got this predisposition to, to, to do evil. Even the good things that we've done are tainted by sin. And all the brokenness in this world is a consequence of sin and us turning away from God. And it's like we're in this prison, we're in this brokenness. We can't get out on our own, but Jesus came paid the ultimate price to set us free from that prison cell and that's why even though you're out of the prison cell you still feel like you're in a prison cell because you're in a spiritual prison cell but I want to tell you that Jesus has opened the door for you and all you have to do is walk out and so he gives his life to Jesus and uh, just and like 30 seconds later his bus came it was crazy uh, but we had time to, to pray and to exchange details and things. And um, I could just tell stories like this all day. But let's, um, let's, let's go on to the next slide. What do we got next? Uh, I mean, yeah, so that's the three circles. This is a really simple way to share the gospel. There's lots of different ways. 
I sh I've got lots of different little tools like this, but this one's really helpful. Uh, it's, you know, the world is broken, uh, war, disease, violence, suffering, addiction, anxiety, depression. The world's broken, but that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was love. Uh, he made us in his image for a loving relationship with him. But something went wrong, we all sinned. Sin is anything from lying to murder. It lands us in brokenness. Brokenness sucks, so we try to get out of brokenness uh, with different things, but these things snap us back in. We can't escape on our own. But God loved us so much, didn't want us to stay there forever, so he sent Jesus. Jesus died the death that we deserved on the cross and rose again, destroying sin, so that if we would choose to turn from sin and brokenness, believe in Jesus, follow him, make him the Lord of our life, then we can be restored and forgiven back into God's plan. And then you just ask three, three, three questions, uh, which is which circle are you in, brokenness or God's love? Which circle do you want to be in? And is there anything stopping you from turning from sin and brokenness, believing in Jesus, making him the Lord of your life, being restored and forgiven? So it's just really simple, like it's not a method, um, um, I'm really cautious about like turning, sharing the gospel into a method or how to heal the sick into a method because you see in the life of Jesus, he always did it differently. Like every time somebody gets healed, it's different, you know. Um, and so we, we can't reduce this down to a method. But what we can do is we can look at tools like this, which include like the simple the simple uh, parts of the gospel, the simple elements of the gospel. So whether you're drawing it or whether you're showing them a card or whether you're just doing it with your hands or, or uh, sharing um, um, just with words, uh, you can cover all those basics of the gospel and finish with a question, like it's got to go somewhere, like a question that's going to cause a response. The next tool is the hope story tool. So it's how to share your testimony. And I'm going to share my testimony in a minute, but this is, um, this is a really basic tool. This was the foundation of the Hope Story Challenge that I mentioned. It works online. You can do a short testimony online, and you can post it on your social media. You reach your friends and family with your personal hope story. Um, or you can share it in person. And so it's five parts. The introduction, there was a time in my life when before you met Jesus, so you put in a few things of before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, what you experienced, what your life's like now, and then an invitation. So it's really simple, really simple practical tools, and I just wanted to share that with you. It's kind of, I guess, a resource that we've put together and made available to the body of Christ, um, along with the hope cards. I, I see the hope cards as seeds, and when you get seeds from the shop, they come with instructions on how to sow them. And so that was how I saw this training, was kind of like the, um, the instructions on, on how to sew and some really basic, simple, practical tools. So I just wanted to share that with you today. Um, and yeah, hope that blesses you. But I, what I really feel to do, it's, it's been about a month or so leading up to this and, and I think in that time God's given me about three different <laughs> words <laughs> to share and um, sometimes the Lord takes you on this journey of, of preparing a message for something 
And then you get to the morning of sharing that, and he's like, oh, I've got something different now. And you're like, oh. He's like, oh, no, I was just preparing you. Like, that was all. That was, I was, you thought, you thought that you were preparing a message for them, but I was actually preparing you. And so I want to share my testimony with you. Uh, I've just talked about, like, sharing your testimony. And to be honest, uh, when I got saved, um, I, was, I was wanted to share my faith um, right from the get-go. Um, but my first experience of, of sharing my testimony and sharing the gospel with anyone was with a drug dealer. Um, and they were freaking out that I was going to go and dob them into the cops. And so they tried to kill me. So that was my first experience with evangelism it was it was pretty hard and um so i was i was bold i was wanting to do stuff uh, i was a worshiper um loved jesus and and we had this worship ministry and my friend he's like pat you have a testimony you need to share it he's from the congo like amazing guy and i'm like oh, i don't want to share my testimony you know uh, God's done all this in, in my life and, and, you know, things are good now. I was managing a business, I had a family, like all this good stuff. And I'm like, why would I want to go and dig around in the past for, you know? And in the end, like all these excuses throughout having this conversation with him, I realized that everything that I was saying was just fear and pride. <laughs> and God told me that my testimony is powerful and that my testimony is the evidence of God and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to transform lives. And so I started to share my testimony and, I, and I'm going to share my testimony with you guys today because I found that when we share our testimonies, it brings increase. As I've gone around and shared my testimony that cracking up is it
I'm just going to take my own life. And so that night, I, I tried to take my, my life. And um, I really tried. Like, <laughs> I wasn't mucking around. But miraculously, I survived. And praise God that I did. But at the time, it didn't feel like that. At the time, I'm like, I can't even get this right. How useless am I? I can't even take my own life. And so the next day, I tried again. And same thing happens again. Miraculously, I survive. I just can't ex even explain it. And, and still feeling hopeless and broken, on the third day, I tried to take my own life again. And this is where it gets real weird because I'm in Sydney, but then I wake up in Wollongong and I can't even explain how I got to Wollongong and I wake up on the floor of this locked room in a hotel which is like the worst of the worst places and my friend who lived at this hotel she'd met Jesus three weeks earlier and she's like I, I wake up on the floor she's standing over me she's as shocked as I am because somehow I've just woken up on the floor <coughs> of her room like this is like it's weird I said it was weird I warned you I wake up on the floor and she's kind of you'd think that she'd be freaking out but you know what she's saying Pat Jesus loves you he's your only hope and she's going Pat I met Jesus and he's changed my life Pat I met Jesus and he set me free from addiction Pat I met Jesus and he's completely changed everything and she's going you should come to church. It was a Sunday. She's like, Pat, you should come to church. And I'm like, Rah! like this is me. I'm like, Rah! get away from me. <laughs> if I walk into a church, I'll catch on fire. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I like, manifest it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm going to go to church now. And so she goes to church and I'm like sitting there. Hang on a minute. Why would I catch on fire if I walk into a church? Like, this was, the thi this was the thought that got me. Hey, I was like, why would I catch on fire if I walk into a church? <laughs> I don't even believe in God. Why am I afraid of a God that I don't even believe in? Like, this is crazy. And in that moment, it just clicked. God is real. <laughs> God is real. And it all just hit me all at once. And I'm like, if God is real and He really loves me, like my friend Josie said, maybe he can help me. <laughs> and so I remember she came back and she made me lunch and I'm like just like in this kind of like, you know, I'm, I know I was like in the middle of an encounter with God where I've had this revelation that he's real and, and I'm just like, taking it all in and, and she's making me lunch and I'm, and I'm looking at her and I'm going, this is not the same person that I knew before. <laughs> something is different. You know, something has changed. There's been a transformation. She's not addicted anymore. She's free. She's not anxious anymore. She has peace. She's not depressed anymore. She has joy. And I'm like, if God can do that for me, if God can do that for her, he can do that for me. I wanted what she had. I desperately wanted what she had. And so that night I went to the church with her and boom, like I walk into the church and I just feel the presence of God like so strongly. 
um, and the pastor's talking about this prodigal son. He's telling this prodigal son story. <laughs> you guys all know the story, hey? And, uh, and so he's telling this prodigal son story, uh, and, and I'm listening to him, but at the same time, I've got this voice that's like pounding in my heart. It was like God put, a, put an ear in my heart for the first time and I'm just hearing this voice saying you're my son <laughs> I love you and I want you to come home you're my son I love you and I want you to come home you're my son I love you and I want you to come home you're my son I love you and I want you to come home and I was like you know it's this three-way kind of conversation between the pastor speaking God speaking here and me going but God how I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy because I encountered the love and the holiness of God. But I was aware of my sin. I often talk about these three dominoes. A misunderstanding of the nature and character of God, that's domino number one. We need to represent God and represent Jesus to the world because people are out there and they need God, but they think that he's angry at them. They think that he's some cosmic killjoy that just wants to spoil all their fun. We need to represent God. And that's the one that I'm chipping away at all the time. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Chipping away at that domino. When that domino falls, look out. The other one is the deceitfulness of sin because if people are deceived by something, they don't know that they're deceived. And the Bible says that sin is deceitful. And so there are people who don't actually know that they're doing wrong. They don't, don't actually understand that. And I believe that's the one that the Holy Spirit brings conviction in. No, nobody needed to... Uh, tell me that I was a filthy, rotten sinner. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. How did I know it? Because the Holy Spirit brought conviction. And deep down inside, I think we all have this, you know, this compass, like a moral, moral compass. We're trying to push it down under the surface. But ultimately, deep down inside, we all know the difference between right and wrong. And what I feel actually happens is the Holy Spirit pulls away the veil and removes that deceitfulness of sin and knocks down that domino. And so these first two dominoes fall, the misunderstanding of the nature and character of God and the deceitfulness of sin. And what you have is a person who realizes that they are in sin and that they are separated from God because of their sin. And they also have an understanding that God is good and that He loves them and that God is holy, and you have this, this chasm in between. You've got separated from God because of sin, and God is, is holy. And that's the perfect landing strip for the gospel. It's this, this feeling of unworthiness, like God is good, He wants a relationship with me, He loves me, but I'm unworthy. And that's, that's where the gospel lands, and that's what happened for me that night. I'm sitting in this church... And I'm saying, God, 
I, I see you, you're good, you're holy, but I'm unworthy, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And in that moment, Pastor Paul up the front, he, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And instantly this was the answer to the question that I'd been asking God, how? I just need Jesus. And so I didn't wait for an altar call. I just ran up to the front of the church. It was like if, if, if this was the church, it would have been about here. There's a piece of carpet. They actually just recently changed the carpet in the church. Uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a piece of carpet at the front of that church where I died. And um, <laughs> I just came like I didn't wait for anything. And even as I was running, I, I thought like I could hear cheering. Like it was like, um, it was like everyone in the room was just cheering but now I know that it wasn't the people in the room it was all of heaven rejoicing because a prodigal son had come home and I get to the front and I'm on my hands and knees and I'm like this and I'm just crying I've got snot pouring out my nose I'm just going God, 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 I need you I need you Jesus I give my life to you and in that moment, I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. The sin, the shame, the pain, the brokenness, the addiction, everything, even all the good things that I'd done, tainted by sin, my whole life just laid out before me, kind of like a pile of trash. And I see God and His holiness and Jesus, and I see His life. It was like the gospel laid out before me, like the life of Jesus the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. I saw it all and he's like, you want to swap? <laughs> that scripture that Bianca quoted this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the beautiful exchange. He became what I was so that I can become what He is. He became sin, died on a cross, rose again to set me free, to save me, so that I could become righteous. And so I give Him everything, give Him my whole life, holding nothing back, giving him everything. And everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changed that night. I remember I, I got up off the floor and I walked out and, and I had, a, had cigarettes in my, in my pocket. Um, I went to put a cigarette in my mouth and just at the smell of an unlit cigarette, I started to dry reach. I was like, bleh, bleh. like, it just, it was repulsive to me, you know. And I heard that voice in my heart again. It says, you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You'll never be the same again. And from that night forward, I was completely set free from all addiction. I didn't need rehab. I didn't need withdrawals. Didn't have withdrawals. I was completely free from addiction like that, never gone back. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. He completely delivered me from addiction that night and I was healed. I was, 
I was breathing normally. I wasn't throwing up blood and black stuff anymore. I was, I was healed. And I, um, I got a job uh, pretty quickly after that. I'll skip over a bunch of stuff in my testimony just for time's sake. But I got a job. Uh, I met my wife. Uh, we had beautiful kids together. Uh, I was uh, doing a lot of ministry. I was on the worship team. I was preaching. I was moving in uh, the gift of healing at that time. Uh, we'd seen uh, cancer healed. Uh, I remember this one miracle. I'll never forget this tumor that was like the size of a grapefruit just whew, just disappeared under my hand. Um, so I was saved in 2003. By 2010, like we're going after it, like going strong for the Lord. And then um, this illness hit me. Um, actually hit me in church. I was, I was, um, I was at church um, and I had this seizure and that seizure was like the first thing in, in this kind of like just avalanche of, of hurt and pain and um, they thought that I had uh, multiple sclerosis at first because uh, I had these white spots on my brain but then the white spots disappeared, probably praise God for that and and things just started kind of unraveling um i started to have paralysis um during the day and, and nights um after the seizures i lost uh, over 50 percent of my vision um my body like organs and things were shutting down and the doctors were kind of scrambling to try and figure out what was going on uh, i spent a lot of time in hospital at one stage i was in hospital for three months in one go and um doctors are just doing tests like tests after tests after tests and more medication medication to treat this medication to treat that and just kind of um basically like just fighting to keep me alive at that stage and people from church are like you know uh have you got a diagnosis you know how can we pray for it and, and it was just this mystery like we didn't have a diagnosis the doctors were trying to figure out what was going on and um and it was really, really hard. I remember uh, Noah, was, um, Noah was six at the time, Pepper was two, and uh, they found me on the couch one day, completely paralysed, I couldn't talk. Um, and just that feeling of helplessness and, and hopelessness of, um, you know, not even being able to speak, not even be able to respond and seeing how upset they were, but not even being able to, to do anything. And, and um, it was, I'll honestly say, even though I went through ice addiction and all that stuff, this was the hardest time of my life. Lots of ambulance rides, lots of stays in hospital and, um, and really... Um, kind of feeling like I was I was letting my family down like that was that was definitely a big big part of it um it was a tough time and and um so it went on for about a year and um the doctors kind of came to this conclusion I ended up at, at Royal North Shore and seeing this professor and this professor is like um uh I believe you have this thing called molasse. It's a mitochondrial disorder. Basically, the little power stations in your cells are shutting down and therefore your body's shutting down and this is kind of how it goes. Um, there's no conclusive test to say you've got this. You have to do all these other tests. 
and so we start doing these tests which are basically to rule out other stuff to confirm this thing which this thing has a prognosis of about three months so I'm doing like two months worth of tests to confirm that I have a, a, um, a disease that's probably you know gonna gonna kill me within three months and but we're going along with it and all the tests are confirming what the doctor believed. Every single test was confirming this uh, diagnosis. And then I get a full body CAT scan. And this was to rule out multiple sclerosis, which was their original thought because there was these white spots and they're like, if we find white spots, then it's MS. If we don't, then it's this other thing. And so I get this full body CAT scan and I don't often share this part of my testimony, I'll be honest. I, I normally just share like that I got saved, healed and delivered. <laughs> but I, I felt to share this with you guys today and I, I really feel on my heart to share this with you. And um, so I get this full body CAT scan and the doctor comes back and going through all the things he's like yep yeah, that's good that's good and then he gets to my lungs and he's like hang on a minute and he and he actually just walks out of the room takes the scans walks out of the room comes back about 20 minutes later and what he's done is he's gone to confirm that these scans are actually mine because he couldn't believe what he was seeing and he comes back into the room and you can throw up that that other scan now he goes this is the actual scans and he goes I can't explain this but you have two perfectly healthy lungs. Because he knows my history. He knows that I had lobes of my lung removed. And, you know, if you have bits of a lobe removed, then it'll grow back. But if you have actual lobes of your lung removed, they don't grow back. They're gone. Um, and so he's in disbelief. He's like, I can't explain this, but you have two perfectly healthy lungs. And I'm like, I can explain it. And right then and there, God spoke to me. And he said, I healed you then and I'll do it again. Shift your focus off the diagnosis and onto Jesus. Like it just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I've been focused on diagnosis. I've been focused on myself. And so I began to shift my focus onto Jesus. And I began to worship him and I'm telling you in that time it wasn't easy I wasn't healed like instantly it was it was a it was the hardest time of my life and it was the greatest time of my life because in that time I learned how to worship God in that time in the hardest time of my life in absolute agony I was in agony and for hours a day I was paralyzed uh, parts of my body still weren't working uh, and I hadn't seen the healing but I worshipped God like I had received the healing because he's already done it, he's already finished it and I began to press in and I, and I would contend in worship and just with every in every waking hour I would worship him and the seizures stopped and the paralysis stopped and things started to change and the next time I went up into uh, Royal North Shore Hospital to see the professor, 
um, to get these test results. We'd had all these tests done and she's like reading through it and she's like, all of these test results confirm that you have this molass. But the fact that you walked in here today <laughs> tells me that you don't. Because if you had this, you wouldn't have walked in here today. You wouldn't have improved, you would have got worse since the last time I saw it. And she's like, whatever you're doing, just keep on doing it. I'm like, okay. And I didn't need any more invitation than that. I just went home and I began to worship and I wrote all these songs. And they're just like raw songs of love to Jesus. I just sing right at him. Not because I felt good, not because it sounded good, because it absolutely sounded terrible. Uh, I know some of the songs were recorded at the time and it sounded real bad. It didn't look good. It didn't look pretty. I just would worship him and worship him and worship him. Despite my circumstances, despite my situation, I would worship him. And, and things got better and better and better. I went to like a rehabilitation to get my muscle strength back and things. And um, in... Uh, 2000 and late 2012 I got back to work I managed to keep my job through all this and um, then yeah um, started a worship ministry I'm just gonna have some water I love that you've got living water here this is just so good it's so good reminds me of something You're going to come up and play some guitar, bro. Yeah, yeah, play, play, man. I was actually going to say that'd be good. Spoonful of sugar helps the Jesus medicine go down. Emily, if you want to come up as well, you can. I was actually just going to invite Emily, but yeah, that's, that's even, two's better than one. So yeah, I started a, a worship ministry <coughs> out of this. Out of this time, uh, we began this worship ministry and uh, it grew, it ended up um, being a global um, global thing, we did recordings and stuff and um, the local aspect of it began to kind of shift and things, it was like it started out, it was worship and then we, fill, we were filling my house, my house was kind of like overflowing <laughs> and so then we moved into a warehouse and then the Lord was really like sending us out into the into the beaches there's this beach called uh red sands ben maybe you know red sands um and it's like secluded beach but the lord was like saying go and come and worship me at, at red sands and so we, we went to this place red sands and um as we were there this first time these whales were dancing around we didn't see them at first but this fisherman came in off the rocks and he's like brothers did you see the whales <laughs> And they're like dancing around because the presence of God is just drawing them in. Um, and this guy gives his life to Jesus. And then 
uh, more people um, started coming. Every time we would go out and worship in public, people would start to come and they would give their life to Jesus. And, and, and he kind of took me from this place of, of, of worshiper to evangelist. Uh, you know, it was this, this real gentle leading of, you know, uh, from this, this place of just loving Jesus to, to carrying that love out into the world. Because that's like when you boil evangelism down, like really boil it down, it's just love. It's just love. You know, the cross. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, when I visited here maybe a month or so ago, I just think I spent a lot of time just sitting in front of that cross. I've been trying not to look at it tonight because if I do, I'll start to cry. Because that's when I see that, like, what does it mean to you when you look at the cross? What is, like, what do you see when you look at the cross? Because I see love. I see love. It wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross. It was love. Love. Love personified. Sam, who was, who was leading worship here last night, he wrote a song called Love Personified. It was perfect love has a face. Perfect love has a face and his name is Jesus. <laughs> he is love personified. It says God is love. God is love. God is love. The cross is love. Evangelism is love. It was like in that time, in the hardest time of my life, Sometimes it's easier to say, praise God, praise God when stuff's going good. You know, if you can learn to praise God when things are going bad, learn to contend in faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We didn't see him die on a cross. We didn't see him rise again, but we believe it, and it's through that faith that we are saved by a grace that we don't understand and definitely don't deserve. And it's love. And so I, I love Jesus and I love people, and I care more about people. I care more about people than I care what people think about me. <laughs> you, know, you could go around, go around any room and ask people, you know, what are the things that hold them back from doing evangelism? It's like fear. Well, perfect love casts out all fear. What are, you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I was talking to this lifeguard a few months ago down at Stanwell Park Beach and he's like, I just 
so frustrated people won't get between the flags and I'm like man I think I know what you mean like I feel like I'm trying to get people to go between the flags And I'm looking out to sea, and sure enough, like, there's no one between the flags. It's a big beach, and there's no one between the flags. It's like this narrow corridor between the flags, and everywhere, hundreds of people swimming outside the flags. And I'm just looking, and there's rips. Like, you can't see it from, when you're in the water, you can't see the rip, deceitfulness of sin. But from the beach, you can see the rip. And you're crying out, get between the flags, get between the flags. Because who wouldn't, if you were walking along a beach and you saw a person drowning and it was within your ability to save them, you would go into the water, right? You would help them. Is everybody on board with me right there? Like if you saw someone drowning, would you run into the water to save them? Yeah, of course you would. But picture this in eternity, you know, like, because I'm looking out at this water and I'm seeing people being pulled out to sea in rips. And then I'm seeing this through my eternal eyes and I'm like, there's people in this world who don't know Jesus. They're outside the flags and they're being pulled out to sea. They're drunk on the things of this world and they're being dragged out to an eternity separated from God. not knowing him. Jesus said that narrow is the path that leads to life. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And so I feel like the most loving thing that we could possibly do is tell people about Jesus, even if they don't want to hear it. And I'm not like being offensive or anything like that to people, but I'm like, I feel like we need to tell people that Jesus loves them and that there is hope. And if God can do this for me, if God can set me free from addiction, if he can set me free from ice addiction, he can set anyone free from ice addiction. If God can heal my lungs, he can heal anyone's lungs. He can heal people's retinas. He can reattach retinas. I don't even know what that is, but he created, like he made it. He's got a divine blueprint for every single person's body and for every person's like being and he can restore it because he's the restorer he's the redeemer he's the healer i feel like we need to tell people about him like it's love it's not like i'm not doing this for brownie points like it's about love i love god and i love people like when it all boils down to it, that's what Jesus said. He's like, just love, love people the way that I've loved you. Just love people the way that I've loved you. And what did he do? He died on the cross. So I'm like laying down my life for this. I could be doing anything. I can tell you about the work that I, I used to do, but I'll be honest, I just laid it all down for the sake of the gospel because I see what's happening in our nation. And I don't feel like I can waste my time building up my own kingdom (laughs) i could be doing all sorts of different things but i'm like no there's there's kids in our nation this 12 year old girl and i come back to it because i'm like it's not okay 
there's there's a world outside our window who need Jesus and we need Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit because we can't do this I can't do this on my own I need Holy Spirit we need Holy Spirit and together we can do this together we can make disciples together we can see Liverpool transformed by the gospel together we can see Sydney transformed by the gospel together we can see Australia transformed by the gospel and I've shared my testimony and in Revelation it says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that testimony brings increase as well and so I want to give an, an opportunity right now that if you need this if you want what I've got, if you want what I've got, right now is the time to come and get it. Jesus saved me. It wasn't an altar call. It wasn't a prayer. I had an encounter with Jesus and he transformed my life and today he is here and if you need a miracle if you need a breakthrough if you need salvation Jesus is here and I just want to open up the altar I'm not going to get people to bow their bow their heads and and close their eyes Uh, I'm not against all that but I'm just like if you need Jesus if you need Jesus he's here and you need to move it's like my friend who was in a prison cell even though he wasn't in a prison cell you know the prison door is open but you got to walk out of it you know Jesus has opened the cell door but you've actually got to take a step out of it and that's why I want you to move because it's a it's a physical manifestation of a a a spiritual decision that I want Jesus and I'm prepared to get up out of my seat and come forward before all these people and before all of the witnesses in heaven I'm willing to get up out of my seat and move because I need Jesus and so that if that's you I just want to invite you to come if you need to give your life to him maybe you're hearing the gospel for the first time today this good news He is so good. God is so good. He is so, so good. (laughs) His kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be walking down the street and people should be thinking, what are you on? It's Jesus. Had this girl ask me uh, uh, for a cigarette in Manly. A few months ago, we were out doing outreach and asked me for a cigarette. I said, I don't have a cigarette, uh, but what I can give you is so much better. And she's like, what have you got? She thought I had drugs. And it's like, no, it's way better. It's way, way better. It's Jesus. And they're kind of laughing at me. And I'm like, no, trust me. Like, Jesus is way better than any drugs that you can get. And um, ended up praying for them. There was a group, ended up being a group of them and and they all gave their life to Jesus just after experiencing like how good he is. 
I just want to encourage you to come and experience the goodness of God today. Come and experience the goodness of God today. If you need healing for anything, come and move. This is a step of faith. Like me worshipping. Like me worshipping when everything felt everything felt wrong. But I worshipped him anyway. It's faith. Take a step of faith. Take a leap of faith. The reason I love this water, actually, is because often I share with people about a bottle of water um, that you know you can carry around a bottle of water in the desert. can be thirsty, walking through the desert, dry. You have the bottle of water in your hand and you can read it and it, it's got H2O in it. You could even go to university and become an expert on water. You could know everything there is to know about H2O, but unless you actually take the lid off the bottle and drink it, it's not going to quench your thirst. And that's what religion is like. And there's pure religion. Religion's not, not bad. There's pure religion. But there's a lot of people who just know about God, and maybe they've known about God their whole life but they don't know him because they haven't taken the lid off the bottle and had a drink and tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I just feel like there's people that need to respond. I'm kind of going around in circles and it's because I know that there's people who need to respond, whether it's for healing or whether it's you need salvation, you need Jesus. I don't mind waiting. Actually, don't mind waiting. <laughs> Jesus went on a cross for you. <laughs> it was like a couple of awkward moments for me is nothing compared to what Jesus went through for you. And so I'll wait. Jesus Hey To worship you I live I live I live to worship you To worship you I live I live I live to worship Jesus. Hey. <laughs> hey. You're awesome. <laughs> oh, she's going to be a preacher.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we do that worthy? Be able to, you know that one? Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Come, 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 come. I know there's more people that need to come. Whatever it is, just come to Him and give Him everything. I'm just going to sing a bit. Worthy is Your name. Worthy is Your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Oh, worthy is your name, Jesus.